Welcome to the story behind her success with Candy O'Terry, presented by Boston Women in Media and Entertainment. Sponsored by Tech Help Boston. I feel so fortunate to interview the woman you are about to meet. She is a veteran lead teacher in one of the most difficult school systems in the United States, South Central Los Angeles. 20 years of teaching underserved children has taught her that what drives student success just can't be found in a textbook. It's about connecting heart to heart with a child in order to break down emotional and social barriers. And she calls it the SEMA method. She's got a master's degree in teaching with a specialization in leadership. And she teaches her techniques all across the country. Her name is Seema. She's got a last name I don't pronounce very well. I'll ask her about that in a minute. She's known as the inspirational teacher. And this is her story. Seema, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Tell me you. how we say your last name. Ola Ahmad. So this is why my students call me Miss Seema. You are a teacher in South Central LA. Describe your school and your classroom. Take us inside. Well, we're considered a Title I school. At times, we have situations called lockdowns, and that means there's extensive violence in the community. So we're inside, and we protect the children away from the violence that's happening outside. We've had parents fighting in front of the school. You walk out on the sidewalk, you may see blood. The kids inspire me so much because everything that they're going through, they show up to school day after day. What are the social-emotional barriers to learning for underserved children? The biggest thing is that the children experience trauma. They may experience trauma with domestic violence at home. One family I had recently, they had to get up and move because they couldn't even afford the rent in South Central. I've had families where they're homeless, they're living in their cars. If I could share one story, I do remember quite clearly in first grade, my first year teaching at the school 20 years ago, there was some popping sounds, and I didn't know what it was, and the children were just busy working on their math. And I had asked them what that sound was, and one sweet little girl just nonchalantly looked up from me while she was doing her math and said, oh, somebody's shooting. And it really broke my heart to feel that it had no effect on them, but in reality, it does have an effect on them but they've just become numb to their situation. And that was gonna be my next question. What kind of an effect does a toxic environment like that have on a child? Is it almost like when a soldier comes home from a war and they have PTSD? Yes. You know, if we think of Maslow's hierarchy of needs and that foundation, and if they don't have that sense of security, there's no way they can reach their self-actualization. And if they can't come in touch with those feelings, does it cut them off somehow from the world? And then maybe, I'm going to guess, it affects their behavior in the classroom. One thing I've learned when a child is born, they're born with certain character traits. Empathy and compassion is not one of them. So if these characteristics are not modeled to them, they will not know how to behave in that way. They don't know how to understand when another child is going through something. They might be aggressive towards them or not realize how much their action affects another person. So if they see someone who's sad or suffering, they might not have the appropriate response. Is that what you're saying? Absolutely. I'm going to guess, and you just talked about first grade. Can you just tell our listeners a little bit about the grades that you have taught and what you're teaching now? I'm teaching elementary school. So I've taught every single grade level 
the majority of my time, the last 15 years, have been teaching third grade. And I believe at that age, it's such a pivotal year. Kids are the same as they were 20 years ago. So it's so essential that I help guide them and teach them things that they're not learning in their community, in their environment. Kids have become aggressive now, even as young as kindergarten, where they're kicking doors, where they're punching teachers. It saddens me that these children are getting punished for what they don't know. Nobody is really taking the time to teach them some skills and some mindset techniques and just to love on them the way that they need to be in order to lift them up from their circumstances. You know, I'm thinking about third grade and math starts to get a little complicated. And, and of course, reading is such a big thing in the third grade. I'm going to guess, and you said you were a first grade teacher as well, that so many underserved children arrive in the school system without some basic preliminary skill sets. And it's almost as if you're starting with a clean slate. Is that true? Absolutely. Let me also share that there is a range. There are children that do show up prepared, but the majority of children, even in kindergarten, they may have never even held a book before. They don't know which way the book should go or which way the pages are turned. Or to hold a pencil. Yes, absolutely. And so these foundational skills are so essential not only for their livelihood, but to build their self-confidence. You call your strategy for teaching the SEMA method. Explain it to our audience. 35 years ago, my mom introduced me to the science of mind teachings. So it's always been embedded in, in the way I live. I recently, within the past couple of years, created an acronym out of my name, and that is Success is Mindful Awareness. And when we can be mindful of what's going around us, we can achieve the success we want instead of being in the dark. And so I teach my students how to be mindful of their actions and how their actions make impact on other people. We do several techniques in the class every day, and it's just such a beautiful experience to see how not only they embody the techniques themselves, but they teach their parents. So around it goes, the circle. I saw a video on your website, thesemamethod.com. A little girl talked about struggling with a math problem, and then she, quote unquote, stopped and refreshed her mind. Now, (laughs) I think these are lofty words for an eight-year-old to say. So how long does it take to teach this method? And tell me how the children respond. It doesn't take long at all, because one thing I know with 20 years of teaching is that all children want is to love and be loved. So when you show them that, they want to take the reins and go with it. And that one particular girl was at my house. At the end of the year, I invite my students to my home, and we have a big celebration, and they get to experience a different environment with their classmates and go to a different side of the town. You know, one of the things that you talk about and I mentioned it in the beginning of the show, was connecting with a child from heart to heart. And I find that in 2020, we're so politically correct. You know, may I give you a hug? May I hold your hand? And I'm going back to sort of the basics of parenting and thinking, sometimes children just need a nice big hug. Are you able to do that in the classroom? The school's motto has changed, but I've kept it in my heart by any means necessary. I do whatever it takes for a child to feel safe, secure, and loved. And in that environment, it's like when you plant the seeds, you have to nurture the seed in order for it to grow. But you also have to remember you have to have fertile soil. 
the techniques and methods I have is create that fertile soil so the seeds can be planted. And with the methods and techniques that I use, it allows those seeds to blossom into beautiful, amazing results. This strategy also requires an element of self-care for the teacher. Yes. So important. (laughs) And one of my sons is a fifth grade teacher. Oh, bless him. And so I've heard a lot of stories. And I know that if if, if a child in his classroom isn't having a good day, then then David's not having a good day. And he wants to turn it around for him. And he looks out at his classroom and he's always thinking, how can I bring the best out? How can I Mm, figure out each child in my classroom? but it's exhausting. Self-care for teachers. Talk about it. Well, that's one thing that I realized that I had to really put a lot of effort in because I wasn't always practicing the SEMA method. In fact, what created the SEMA method was out of me going to too many happy hours after work. I really needed to disconnect from my workspace to my home space. And when I started realizing that, oh, I can go to the grocery store and get a six pack or a bottle of wine cheaper than the, <laughs> the happy hour. I was like, you know what? I'm not going in the <laughs> right direction. Going so something needs to change. The teachers are on the front line and parents are their child's first teachers. So when I'm speaking of teachers, I'm not just speaking of teachers in the classroom. As we know, if we don't fill ourselves up, our battery drains out and then we definitely can't be there for our children. We love our children so much that we want to see and do the best by them. So what kind of methods do you teach? I know you speak across the country, and I know you speak to teachers. What do you tell them they need to do for themselves? The strategies that we use in the classroom are strategies for the teacher as well. So one thing that I experience out of it and the teachers that I presented this information to is they get to reset themselves during the day. We do mindful moments, we do breathing techniques, we anchor in qualities for the day, we set intentions. So it's so powerful for the teacher, or even the parent as a teacher, to set those intentions for the day as well. Another thing that we do, which I've had requests from parents coming in, which is a beautiful thing, is that we fill ourselves up with love every day. And we share, we outstretch our hands, and we share that love with whoever we want to. One of the students came up with this phrase, which I love, we wrap people around with a hug of love through our energy. We use a a happy heart technique. We do a couple of breaths, and through that breath, we smile. If your audience would like to do this now, and if you'd like to join me in it, we could just take a breath, breathe in, and relax your body. And now I want you to simply smile. And when we smile, it changes the endorphins throughout our body. And that's an instant relief. And it's actually something that I do when I wake up in the morning before I get out of bed. I just lay there and I smile. And it helps tremendously instead of thinking, oh, my God, what do I need to get done today? The first things first is smile. And I'll tell you another thing about smiling. When we smile at one another, Our brains create a new neural pathway, and our brain says, I like you, you like me, and a connection is made. Beautiful. Isn't that cool? Yes. See, now I brought something to the SEMA method. (laughs) I'm going to add that. (laughs) It reminds me at the completion of our mindful moment, we say namaste, and we turn to one another. I would say, Candy, the good in me sees the good in you. And then it's repeated. 
And then the kids do all their little like high five kind of fun things too. So it, it's not a rigid structure. So the kids get to have fun and play with it as well. Do you love what you do? It's the best and the most challenging thing in the world. <laughs> Sitting across from you and hearing you talk about this makes me think to myself, you're exactly the kind of teacher that I would have always wanted for my children to have. I oh. hope that you know that. Thank you. You have some success stories. I know you do. Tell me one. Well, one, I'm so excited. One of my former students is studying to become a doctor. Since I've been at the school for 20 years and I started teaching in first grade, they were six years old, so now they're about 26. And I love that when they come back to me and they said, you changed my life. It takes me back because I think, well, I was just your teacher in elementary school. But then when I hear of other people talking about that one teacher that made a difference, that made a difference in their lives, I'm honored to be that person. And I've been asked to be godparents to teaching their child and they're pregnant. And they said, well, you be the godparent to my child. And, and I just love the community that's built through love. You've also seen a lot of sadness. You've seen a lot of loss, a lot of violence in your tenure as a teacher in South Central L.A. Yes. Can you talk a little bit about that? You talked about the, the schools being in lockdown fairly often. The thing that also drove me to want to bring the strategies that I've shared with my students in my class to the outside is there was a child in another teacher's classroom. This teacher was far from any of these type of strategies, wanted this child out of the school. And I remember the day that this child, Anthony, was expelled from the school as a third grader. And this teacher was actually happy about that. About eight years later, while I had his sister in my class, he was murdered. He was shot in the back 15 times. And I thought back of how we failed him. This child needed our help. And instead of helping him, we kicked them out of school. What could he possibly think of himself as a third grader when school did not want him to be there? If I can bring these practices to more teachers, if more children can be affected by this power of love that each of us have inside of us, and it doesn't cost anything to share our love with others, but it's priceless, and it makes a significant difference in the lives of not just children. Everybody needs love. <laughs> you know what, though? When something like that happens to a child, I often feel like a part of them breaks off a little bit. You know, eight years old, Absolutely. being expelled from a school, that was probably the beginning of him losing his self-esteem. For teachers listening all around the world, what is your advice for that one student who you just can't seem to reach, who acts out, who disrupts the class. What do you say? Please support our sponsors. They make this show possible. These days, more and more people are working from home. When your computer breaks down, you lose business. This is Dave Elmasian, president of TechHelpBoston.com. Our tech experts will come to your home or office to fix your computer. Same day, next day, and weekends too. More than 30,000 families and businesses have trusted us since 2000. You can trust Tech Help Boston to keep your computer and systems running right. Call 781-484-1265 or visit TechHelpBoston.com. That's TechHelpBoston.com. 
It takes teamwork to put a weekly series like this together. I am so grateful to Jordan Rich and Ken Carberry for giving the story behind her success a home at Chart Productions. And to Dan Tebow, our editor from Fast Twitch Media. JC Valeris at Platinum Circle Media, who handles our social media marketing and so much more. Thank you all for making me look so good. This reminds me of a book Neil Donald Walsh wrote, The Seed of the Soul. And it touched my heart because it speaks about when we come into this world, we have agreements. And this one little soul wanted to learn what patience was. And this one little soul wanted to learn what forgiveness was. And this other soul said, oh, I'll be that person for you, but you must promise me that when we're down there and I do something to you that you get to experience forgiveness for, that you will remember who I am. And so when students are acting out, they're bringing a gift to you. There's some quality that they're bringing out of you. And if you could think more about what is it that I need to bring in this moment and not take it personal. These children need our help. They don't need our punishment. And when they're coming and they're bringing a situation, bring love or bring whatever it is that you know that would help heal the situation. What are the qualities, the characteristics of a great teacher? Patience, compassion, empathy, understanding, and flexibility. Don't come in thinking that it has to be your way. And I've also learned in these 20 years, as I was raised, I must respect my elders no matter what. Children are not living in that society now. And I've learned that I must show them respect before I can receive their respect. And that was a struggle because I wasn't raised like that. So I was expecting it's my turn to get respect no matter what. But no, I need to do what's best for the whole. And teaching them respect and getting that respect in return makes my day so much easier. You know, I was just about to say you have a national certification in leadership. And I was going to say, so what are the characteristics of a great leader? And it sounds like they're the same characteristics as a great teacher. <laughs> yes. Can you tell me a little bit about your own childhood? You just mentioned that in your house, respect of your elders was very important. Take yeah. me back to when you were growing up. What'd you learn? What was the golden rule in your house? Oh, respect. I would have to tell my friends when they came down the stairs, you have to say hi to my dad first, because if you don't, I can't invite you over anymore. I mean, it was just so ingrained. And what my mom taught was just an outpouring of love. And so I realize now that the love that I have for the children is the love that my mom had poured into me. Who was your role model growing up? First thought came into my mind was Wonder Woman. <laughs> so I guess you, I'll go with Wonder Woman. What did you like about Wonder Woman? <laughs> just the, the powers that she had. Like she could just... Superpowers. Yes, yes, yes. I would remember even running on the soccer field as an elementary school student in... I know people thought I was crazy, but I would spin around in a circle. I'm like, okay, I'm going to make that goal now. <laughs> Let's go back to your first day as a first grade teacher Ooh. in South Central LA. You walk in the door. There are all the kids. What do you wish you knew then that you know now? That I would stick with it. Honestly, they fired the teacher on a Friday in November, right before Thanksgiving break. 
and hired me and I had never taught in my life. They introduced me to the students and they left. The students had a teacher that was so bad that they had to fire so it was coming into this environment where they didn't have any structure. And I think structure is key. Structure connected with love. I cried honestly for three months. The director of the school still talks about it. And I thought, what am I doing? But I felt if I'm guided here, I'm guided here for a purpose. 20 years later, I'm still driving to South Central teaching the children. Did you always want to be a teacher? Or was there ever an idea you wanted to do something else? No, I didn't want to be a teacher, but it was interesting looking back how people would ask me if I'm a teacher. I know you don't see me, but I'm short, so I, I think kids... She's beautiful. <laughs> so I think kids are drawn to me. Sometimes they think I'm their same age, you know, the, <laughs> because of my height. I was always connected with children. I was pregnant and lost my baby before he was born. And I think that I want to give all the children the love that I wasn't able to give to my son. I think that just deepens my love for loving the children. You're such a beautiful person. We are going to put a picture up so everybody can see how beautiful <laughs> you are. And thank you for sharing that story with us. What is the best piece of advice, Seema, you've ever received? And can you pass it along to our listeners? I'll take this from my mom, that life is about connection. And we connect with people in subtle ways, in beautiful ways. And nobody should ever feel isolated or alone, especially children, when there's so much love around them to be given. When an obstacle is in your path... How do you get around it? Perception is everything. I could see it as an obstacle or I could see it as an opportunity. And if I can just change my perspective of the situation, it changes how I feel about it. And that's the same with teachers. Again, if they get frustrated with something, if they could just change how they're viewing it, change how they view the child, love on the child, even at home, see the child in a different way, speak different words on that child, because as long as the teachers are telling the child that they're no good, they're bad, then how can the child rise up past our expectations of them? I want to tell you a little story. My son had a really rough time in the first grade, oh. and we were having some problems at home. His dad and I were about to separate, and there was a lot of sadness going on at home. And so he was beating kids up on the playground and really being a bully, and he had a reputation as that. And second grade came along. His teacher, whom he will never forget, got down on one knee when he walked into the classroom, looked him in the eye and said, I am so glad you're in my class. Yes. And he never let her down or misbehaved that entire year because she saw him for who he was, a child who was a little angry and a little afraid, fearful. And that's where his bad behavior came from. Absolutely. Is that a microcosm of what you're saying in the SEMA method? Yes, absolutely. It's such a simple method that is so powerful and if we can get out of our own way and our own judgment, we can create that fertile soil for children to blossom. I believe that we as women measure our success very differently than men do. 
And we also have chapters in our lives. If I had asked you this question when you were just getting started 20 years ago as a first grade teacher, you probably would have had a different answer. But right now, in this place where you are, Seema, what does success mean to you? I'll say with my acronym that success is mindful awareness. And when we can live our life being mindful of our actions, then we can have a successful life. I want to thank you so much for being my guest today on the story behind her success. Seema, say your last name. Ala Ahmad. Seema, thank you so much. Thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure being with you. Thanks for listening to the story behind her success with Candy O'Terry. This is a series with one goal in mind, to shine the spotlight on women doing great things with their lives. We hope these weekly stories will motivate and inspire you. If you'd like to suggest someone for Candy to interview, she'd love to hear about it. Connect with her anytime on Facebook, Twitter, and her website, CandyOterry.com. That's C-A-N-D-Y-O-T-E-R-R-Y.com. You'll find all of these links in the show notes. What's your story?